in the dead of night, 27-year-old Allison Bota finds herself on the receiving end of a savage 37 vicious stabs in her abdomen and 17 in her She manages to stand up and she begins to wander about for help. She touches her neck and when she does, she discovers that she's been nearly hated. She has the problem of having to walk with one hand holding her head while the other hand holds her intestines in from dragging on the ground. And she prays for somebody with a good head on their shoulders. It's so bad. To help her out. <laughs> Someone with the guts to be able to <laughs> Jeez. help her in her most desperate hour. One morning in the dead of night, back in the year of the pe some people's Lord, 1994, 27-year-old Allison Bota finds herself on the receiving end of a savage attack. So watching as her attackers drive off, and they just left her there to die. She had just endured 37 vicious stabs in her abdomen and 17 in her neckal headal region or in medical parlance, her south head had received 17 gashes from a knife. And for a moment, she thought of just lying there and succumbing to her injuries. And uh, she thought she was just going to give up. But she chose to fight. And so she looks down and notices there's a massive gaping wound in her abdomen. And her intestines are hanging out. And like a surgeon lying in the dirt, she gingerly tucks him back in through the opening in her abdominal wall and uses her shirt to keep them in place. And so drumming up just an unimaginable amount of strength in spite of her half-severed stomach, she manages to stand up and she begins to wander about for help. However, as she stands, her head starts tilting backwards. She doesn't intend to, but her eyes keep gazing up at the stars. And although they're beautiful... She has bigger issues right now than cosmetology. And so she experiences kind of a flickering of her vision, like her eyes can't stay tuned on the radio station and keeps coming in and out of signal like that, but not a radio station. It's her vision. And so she touches her neck. And when she does, she discovers that she's been nearly decapitated, which is why her head is wobbling. You know, she has the age-old problem of having to walk with one hand holding her head so it doesn't flop so hard that it finishes her off by disconnecting her spinal column, which is still intact, fortunately, while the other hand holds her intestines in from dragging on the ground behind her. So she's making baby steps, and her blurry vision spots some lights in the distance and so she begins to inch toward what seems to be gleaming headlights of a nearby highway. And she prays for somebody with a good head on their shoulders. So bad. So bad. To help her out. <laughs> some, some, ah, someone with the guts to be able to Jeez. see her need and help her in her most desperate hour, which surprisingly and ironically was right now. So, situated on the southeastern coast of South Africa is the vivacious city of Port Elizabeth. You ever been there? No. 
I didn't know if maybe you had done any mortgage deals over there or whatever, you know, with all due respect. It's it's on the Indian Ocean, or for those Americans who might have word sensibilities, we can call it the indigenous ocean if you want. But the city of Port Elizabeth is famous for its really pretty beaches and a serene kind of unhurried culture. It was here that Alison Boto was born on September 22nd, 1967, to Claire and Brian Bota. Uh, her childhood was disrupted at the age of 10, though, when her parents parted ways, after which she resided with her mother and her older brother. We'll call him Ragnar to protect his identity. In spite of what a lot of people would call divorce, Allison Sword. She earned the prestigious title of head girl at collegiate high school for girls in Port, Port Elizabeth. After graduation, though, she went on a journey of self-exploration, um, not just with her body, but like around geographically. And she traveled for a few years before returning to her hometown, uh, where she began her professional journey as an insurance broker. And there's nothing funny about that. So I'm, life was joyful and fulfilling with warmth of food, folks and fun. And her life seemed to be filled with boundless opportunities. So, however, a dark cloud was rolling in in the form of two dudes, one named Franz Dutuis and the other named Thunes Kruger. Now, I need to sidetrack myself really quick to state that shockingly, there are more than one Franz Dutuis in the South African region. And where things get even more awkward is he, the other Franz, is a well-respected outdoor guide in a national park called Kruger National Park. So for any South Africans who think I'm talking smack about the park ranger, I'm not. It's, it's another white Franz Dutuis. And literally another dude named Thunes Kruger, not Kruger State Park. You can't make this stuff up, but I, I think a lot of people might get their wires crossed about this. At 26, Franz Dutuis, a father and husband, he had a, a very sinister criminal lineage tracing back to his younger, younger years. So his teenage fascination with arson was a precursor to a growing tide of violent assaults against women that would define his nefarious reputation moving forward. He was accused of rape multiple times, but only received a lenient slap on the wrist as the typical outcome. A lot of people believe that this might have been courtesy of his father's role in the police force which is kind of the South African version of what Americans know as police departments. So I don't know if you've ever had any run-ins with those guys, but. So anyway, anyway. Am I laying on the. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, le I'm leaning on that too much. Okay. Nervous, like I said, Matthew. Uh, so, so to the contrary, though, 19-year-old Thunes Kruger was birthed into a realm of severe abuse with a father who, whose life was intertwined with criminality. No judgment, Matthew. Unlike the uh, self-proclaimed charmer Dutuis, Dutuis, 
Kruger was painfully aware of his lack of charm and wit, and most of the attributes he had most uh, most prevalent women found off-putting. So that this kind of perpetual rejection fomented a deep-rooted bitterness uh, toward the lady types. And social alienation felt by both these men uh, cemented a twisted camaraderie between Dutuis and, and Kruger, further bound by a sinister fascination with Satanism. So you throw that in the mix anytime, yeah. you know, you're going to get some fun stuff. Um, so Satanism, by the way, that's that's different than like the Church of Satan or the Temple of Satan. Now that that's a religion, and that religion is less about worshiping Satan and more like a, just a thumb in the eye of what you and I might consider a kind of stratified uh, protocol, real Christian protocol. You know, like we a lot of people don't see a problem throwing up like a Ten Commandments monument in a you know at the Capitol building of your local city. The, the Temple of Satan's like, oh, well, yeah, you can't actually do that, really. Or if you do that, you got to let everybody. So they'll go and say, hey, we, we want to put a we want to put a statue of Baphomet, the big goat god, you know, there, too. And then everybody's like, what are you talking about? And then we're like, yeah, church and state you can't really, you know. Anyway, these guys were Satanists, though, not Temple of Satan. So uh, they were a formidable pair, though. They were malevolent. And this was a reality that Alison Bota would tragically stumble upon. Now, Matt, just a quick aside. I, um, I just want to, I'm going to, I'm going to blow the story out. Hopefully that's okay. And then rather than come in short, come in long for your that's edit. Is that fine? That's fine. Okay. I didn't want, I, I just don't want your eyes to start rolling in the back of your head. If there's a lot to this, but um, I didn't, I, you know, anyway. All right. So on December 18th, 1994, an ebullient Allison spent the day basking on the shores of Port Elizabeth with friends. The fun times extended to her apartment with games and pizza, and, and which included pizza and soda. And so as the night came, most friends said goodbye and, and they headed home. Yet one friend remained stranded without a ride. So given the area's nocturnal safety concerns, I don't want to say because it's South Africa, but because it's South Africa, you don't want to be out after dark. Right. Allison, she, yeah, it's just, um, there's gangs. You know, people get shivved. So uh, Allison graciously offered a ride to her friend. So she wasn't aware of it yet, but this decision would pivot her life onto a very grim path. So after taking her friend home, she headed back. And when she reached home just past the stroke of three in the morning, her normal parking spot was taken. And so she had to find a parking spot that was further away from her house. Now, um, I don't know how you are walking in the dark. I'm totally fine, but a lot of people aren't. You know, there's a few of us that are brave and strong and, you know, we're independent women and others, you know, are a little more vulnerable. She was vulnerable. She parked and reached across to gather a bag of fresh laundry from the passenger seat, which also made me think logistically, she probably had her friend in the back of the car if her laundry was in the passenger seat. That's weird. But um, it was then that a rush of warm air brushed against her as her driver's door burst open and there was a dark figure outside who thrust a knife against Allison's throat and instructed her to shift over or he'd her. 
So the intruder introduced himself as Clinton, no relation to Bill, though later identified as Franz Dutuis, no relation to Hillary, with feigned assurance, though, he promised no harm should come to her should she comply. Handing over her car, car keys, as he demanded, uh, Allison remained mute as the man commandeered the vehicle. So their eerie voyage expanded with the pickup of another malevolent companion. You can guess who that would be. Thunes Kruger, of course, before steering into the city's desolate outskirts. Navigating the gloomy, forsaken trail, Allison's eyes met with Kruger's in the rearview mirror. And unlike Dutuis, who masked his malice with a veneer of friendliness, Kruger's menacing glare bore no disguise at all. His predatory gaze sent shivers down her spine, and the dread of a sinister fate looming grew. Um, the journey ended at a remote locale far from the eyes and ears of potential saviors where the two men fixated their gaze upon Allison, unveiling at that point their savage intent as if it wasn't already clear by threatening to her and then dragging her out outside of town in the dark. So they interrogated her, uh, and swamped by fear, she uttered a trembling no to all of their attempts to, uh, you know, accost her. Swiftly, they yanked her from the car, flinging her onto the harsh terrain of shattered glass, grime, and rubble. Dutuis was first to assault her before handing her over to Kruger, whose brutality soared to even higher peaks than Dutuis had attempted. Aware of their past rape indictments, a sinister realization dawned upon them, though. To escape retribution this time, they'd have to erase every trace, escalating their crime to murder. As Kruger's assault continued, he tightened his grip around Allison's throat, aiming to suffocate the life out of her. Have you ever tried to suffocate someone, Matthew? <laughs> no. It's rough. It's not easy. Everyone that tries, they say that's not that's not easy. It's super hard. Uh, the body's pretty resistant, resilient, and even once you strangle somebody enough, they look like they've died, but they really haven't because the brain kind of has a four minute timer on it where it'll try to you know revive itself if given the opportunity. So a lot of people will strangle somebody and then they'll be like, oh, they're not dead yet. And then it's like a 20 minute process of just trying to strangle the life out of somebody. So not advisable. If you try to, you know, don't go for strangulation. Good to know. Yeah. Just fun facts, just tips, life tips. Um, so this, this strangulation attempt uh, triggered an involuntary release, kind of a reflex, ironically, that later morphed into what would be a life-saving event. Um, although she was fading in and out of consciousness, Allison clung to life. Agitated by her resilience, the duo opted for a more conclusive approach. So their knives plunged into her 37 times into her abdomen, and the ferocity of the assault tore her flesh completely apart, exposing her inner organs. So they believed at this point 
that death was imminent. Um, right. Then Allison's leg twitched. And so they added a little more rage to the final blows and added 17 to her neck, aiming to sever the fragile thread holding her life together. So she had diminished consciousness, obviously, in a blurry arm silhouette oscillated before Allison's face. She could see it as she's coming in and out of consciousness. And um, what she realized afterwards, she was saying, I kept hearing a noise. And what she was hearing was her flesh and what what you and I might have heard in like, you know, most horror movies. I don't know if you've ever seen how they make horror sound effects, but basically all the things they do to make the, the and the pokes right. sound realistic. She was hearing in real time in her ears because they were literally happening just a couple inches below her ears on her neckle region. So she later recollected, quote, and I don't do, I don't do accents, so I'm not going to do one here. But she said, quote, all I could see was an arm moving above my face. His movements were making a sound, a wet sound. It was the sound of my flesh being slashed open. He was cutting my throat with a knife. I didn't feel any pain, but it was not a dream. So yeah. and one of them, she hears say, do you think she's dead? And then the other one said, no one can survive that. So convinced that she was going to die or that she was already dead, Franz Dutuis and Thunes Kruger unabashedly used their real names while deliberating their next move before commandeering again Allison's vehicle backed city. So they made a fatal error here, though, in leaving Allison for dead, because as we know, lying on the cold, hard ground, a severely wounded yet miraculously breathing, Allison was certain of her impending death but a resilient spirit drove her to leave a trace behind with trembling fingers she etched two names into the dirt Franz and Thunes below she left a heartfelt message to her family I love mom she said I, and I don't know if she and you know continued to write about her dad or anybody but blood loss was a thing and she was writing in blood so she probably was you know at her wits end yeah probably yeah limited on how limited much on supply right. yeah so despite the dis the abyss of despair and the lure of surrender to her grave injuries a flicker of hope ignited within allison at the sight of distant headlights filtering through the foliage so she's got this abdominal gash she's also stripped of her clothing but she finds a denim shirt nearby, which isn't surprising because if I had a denim shirt, I'd throw it out on the road. Yeah. So denim shirts probably everywhere for the taking. She fastens it around uh, her stomach, trying to hold her intestines in place. Um, as she starts to crawl and realizes this isn't going to work because the shirt won't stay in place if she crawls. So she stands up. And she finds out that her head's cut off. And so she's holding her severely lacerated head in place, walking, holding her stomach, trying to make 
make her way. Allison said, quote, I pulled my head, oh, so hard to imagine. I pulled my head forward with my free hand and my vision returned. Kind of like, you know, when you're trying to plug in a USB and it's like, which way is it? Oh, that's the way. So as she pulled her head forward, her head just kind of reconnected to the USB ports in her neck and her vision came back, at least temporarily. She yeah. says, I fell many times, but managed to get up again until I finally reached the road. So it was during this stretch road that fortune took a bit of a tender turn for her. She was exhausted. Um, she had this lingering sense of survival, though, that kind of just pushed her to keep going. Um, she got into the middle of the road. She collapses on the white line, making a pretty significant contrast between the dark asphalt and her uh, whiteness, because she's a white lady covered in blood, which is like every horror movie, white lady covered in blood. So a car approached, slowed its pace, only to accelerate past the ghastly side of her battered body. Now, I've thought, I've put this through my own head trying to figure out, like, who am I when I come to this scene? I see, am I the drive-by guy or am I the stop-and-help guy? And I want to say that I'm the stop-and-help guy because I've got ideas on how to reattach a head, and this would be a great practice. Yeah, what an opportunity. I I would feel like you're probably the same. Like, you probably, when you saw people getting to death you're probably like guys let me help right and you were like i can yeah i'll walk the other way yeah that's the smart <laughs> see but but if you saw a white lady oh that seemed like a that seems like a you problem <laughs> yeah the thing yeah. is most like people a... they most people they get in prison had it coming yeah so you know yeah, yeah a, that was like you your up. gang problem yeah <laughs> But if you saw a bleeding white lady in the room, she doesn't have to be white. She could be any color, right? But if yeah. You, yeah, it might change your tone. Might you might you might pull the car over. Yeah, uh, I like to think I would. I would definitely do it if my wife was there. Yes, I right. have Just, to do it. I have to yeah, to show off. Just be like, oh, we need to help. We need to help, and you're that's like, that's who I am. I have her yes. convinced on this really great guy. I can't. I can't ruin that. Yeah, me too. You should see me. My wife, she's a total smoke show. I have no idea how I lured her in or how effective Rehypnol is to this day. <laughs> Just small doses. Somebody can still function. That's what I found. But they stay delusional. Microdose. Yeah, microdoses. I'm microdosing my wife. <laughs> she doesn't notice the weight gain that way. But anyway. So Destiny finally steered another car uh, Allison's way, and it was ferrying vacationers from Johannesburg. And among them was a person named Tyen Eilert. Uh, and he, what, is, what's the, what are the odds? He's an aspiring veterinary student. So that means he was an animal doctor, not an aspiring military guy. That's a veteran. Got so, it. Uh, he was horrified, though, by this. You know, he, he hadn't seen a lot of dismembered uh, white ladies. And so, but they stopped the car and they rush his talus inside. He grasps her hand, provides whatever solace he could muster to the barely conscious Allison. And drawing upon his, at this point, vast 
veterinary acumen, he tended to or exposed thyroid, which is, I don't know if you know, it's right here. Yeah. So like a butterfly, a bloody butterfly when it's, you know, exposed. So crafting a makeshift bandage from his shirt to, uh, he used it to staunch the bleeding from, from her, her neck wounds, um, to sustain her consciousness. Uh, Diane probed Allison with simple questions. Diane was another passenger on the on the car from Johannesburg, but she was unable to speak. <laughs> Come on, Diane. Right. Her neck disconnected. So, but Allison uh, devised a code once for yes, twice for no, uh, blinking. So, um, Tyen reflected on the ordeal uh, later on. He said, quote, God put me on that road that night for a reason. He engaged with Allison for a good 45 minutes offering comfort till the ambulance arrived. And then that journey stretched thrice its anticipated duration. Uh, The paramedics were obviously aghast at beholding the, you know, the scene of Allison in her state and everything. Uh, the, 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 the ambulance ride took forever. Both men were captured and they were sentenced to life in prison. July of this year of some people's Lord 2023, they both got paroled. Wow. Yeah. Here's the other fun fact about that. So the original judge was like, these guys should never see the light of day again. Then why didn't she do something about that? She, right? Yeah. Like, like get more active, like try to, I know it's her fault. I mean, what does life mean there? I can't believe they were put like, here's the other thing though. They were paroled and, and as, as is often the case, um, their identity is now in the wind. Like no one really knows where they're at. And the, the court system is such they're like, well, we don't, you know, that, that'd be dangerous for us to give the information on where these, the whereabouts of these two individuals, you know, they, right. The law says no. So no one knows where they're at. There are some prisoners when they're le- released from prison that, that were that the world is like how could that ever be the case how how could anybody let them out and and then it it takes a very unemotional analysis of the law to 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 understand that sometimes things happen albeit there are other times when a prisoner is released from prison and without that release we wouldn't have great youtube channels that are just really, really good. And so, you know, it's it's a bittersweet. Sometimes we're like, we need, we need the guy out. We need yeah. him out. And the demand, if you hadn't been out yet, I would be making the appeals to make to make sure that you didn't spend life in prison for money crimes. Yeah. Okay? I just want it. you to know that I love you so much. And but What happened with Allison? <laughs> what happened? So what did she, so she survived? Like, what's she doing now? She fully survived. She's written books. Everybody in South Africa knows about her um, plight. Uh, her plight. Uh, she's become the head of organizations 
So bad. So bad. Um, I haven't seen the extent, like, she looks put together, though. Like, I've done on the 911 calls. She's not walking around with her severed head. Nah, she's not like Ichabod Crane, you know, yeah. Hey, guys. No. Yeah, she sits on her head, on her shoulders where it should be and everything. On my podcast, I've done episodes. One of the very first episodes that we did, I believe it's actually episode one, we talk about a woman who had a pet monkey named Travis, and he was a celebrity chimp, like he was used in commercials and everything. And this one time, um, her friend came over, and Travis came out, normally says hi, tore the crap out of her face, just tore her yeah, face out. Yeah, I've heard Ate her fingers off and everything. Yeah. And uh, when you see her now, she she doesn't look that good because they like, you know, overlaid her face with uh, other face, people's faces. And oh. but Allison Bota, she looks great. I, I, I watched a couple interviews and I mean, technically she never went. <laughs> so I couldn't like get a good look here. But from what I saw, you can't really tell. And she never lifted up her shirt, so I don't know how that. Right. That decision. Yeah. Probably wears a lot of turtlenecks. A lot of yeah, a lot of uh, scarves or ascots. Is that yeah. not I thing or no? That's a monocle. So, yeah, ascot scarves, turtlenecks, which are in fashion and stuff. Anyway, she's healed, and she's not only healed, but she's brought healing to others who have had. I don't think you could even say the same kind of tragedy, but you know. So I I watched a video. I don't know. It was six months or a, a year ago, and it, it was a true story where these people kept like things were missing from the house, like food was missing, and things would be slightly moved, and they would hear noises at night, and they searched the entire house, and you know this went on for for forever. And at one point, like the father looked up and saw, could have swore he saw someone in like one of the rooms and like he was like 100% sure he saw uh, uh, someone in a room and he rushed into the house, went through the whole house, searched it. They'd searched it multiple times. And then it turns out that like some older person in the neighborhood had said, you know, it must be a little bit, you know, must be strange living in that house. And they were like, why? And it was like, well, um, you know, because of the passages and stuff. And they were like, the passages. And they were like, well, yeah, there's all those kind of like those hollow walls inside where they would, the servants would go through the hollow walls and oh. they had no idea. And there was someone living in their attic that would, could move through the house without going through the house. Right. But you could <laughs> hear them. You know, they tried to be quiet. Uh. But it was so, it was just insane. And I saw another one similar to that where a guy was stalking this chick living in the house and stalking her. Uh. And go be able to get in and out of the house and staying in the attic and would lay under her bed at night and just it was just bizarre. But these were all true stories. Yeah. And so anyway, the, the the person was living in the house. So they the cops come in and they search and they find the guy in the house and it's but just the way the guy laid it out had just just the hairs on my arms just shot up. Really? I like I love those that stuff. But you know, if people watch my channel, they're not really interested in that. But I don't I'll, think do, I'll do my best to try to make it creepy. I mean, it, there there's some creepy elements to it. I mean, there, it's you know, it's it's a it's a horrible story, but um, and by horrible, I mean you're gonna love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go. Okay, let's do it. Let's do that.
All right. Um, this Matt. Uh, Matt. Can I call you Matthew? Yeah. You can come, bro. I've been a Matt. I've been a David. I've been a Michael. I've been a Carter. Okay. I might just mix it up from time to time. I might call you Jessica during this. So. Yeah. Whatever. So, Matt, I thought I wanted to grease the skids here a little bit to kind of um, evaluate uh, your your level of scariness. I wanted to tell you just a quick story really quick to just kind of see, you know, see where we find our find our barometer. Right. So here's a scary story for you just to begin. It's a little tiny bit, just a little flavor to uh, that has nothing to do with what the main story is. But there was these two people. Right. And they, the husband and wife, they decided to take this backpacking trip down to Mexico and they were just going to have a tent and they were going to go wherever they wanted to put up a tent and hike around. And then, then they would come back to the tent and sleep and then move on. And one time they went from the tent and they went traveling, they came back and they came in and everything in their tent was disarray. And that means everything was scattered around. Okay. And when they know came, what disarray means. Okay. I, you know, I just, I didn't want to presume. I didn't know how much time you had done in the big house. And I didn't know how many words had kind of come and gone during that. You know, I, I didn't want to presume. I want to be respectful. This is your show. So they came in and everything was messed up. And they were like, oh my gosh, but nothing was missing. So it wasn't really much of a crime. And they were like, okay. And they just reorganized everything. And they went on. They had like 13 more days on their trip. Went around, putting up the tent, hiking around, all the stuff. And then they just, they went home. And when they went home, this was back in the 90s. So they got uh, all their all their camera reel, their little films, and they sent them in for, for processing. And they got them back. And they were going through the trip pictures. And they noticed the day when everything in their tent was in disarray. There were extra pictures. And somebody had taken pictures inside of their tent of two Mexican guys with their toothbrushes in their butts. Oh my God. <laughs> that's scary. Like that's scary. Think about that. 13 more days of brushing your teeth with, uh, so <clears throat> that, this scary, this story, let me tell you that it's a little spookier. Okay. So I just wanted to set the tone. Like if, like if you thought that one was too much, then I was going to have to just, I don't know, probably call it a day, but okay. So let me, let me tell you this story. What's the what's the biggest injury that you've ever incurred, Matt? Um, someone hurt my feelings once. I was gonna say mine too. Love, lo- love lost. That was yeah. We are two peas in a pod, brother. <laughs> oh. did you ever see any when you were when you were uh, in the big house? Did you ever see any bad injuries? I mean, I've saw people get stabbed and and cut with razors, and probably the thing that I saw that was the worst that where the guy bled the most was a guy got attacked with a uh like a belt and a lock the guy had looped it through and so he only had like yeah like the lock was like at the end of a maybe six or eight inches and the guy just was hitting this other guy in the head and it leaves little little uh like half circles yeah but but the the you know, it, it chunks into your head, bop, 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 bop. So, and your skull, your, your scalp bleeds a lot. Yeah. So he, he was, this guy had blood, his entire body looked like he'd been dipped in blood within, within 20, 30 seconds. It's crazy how, you know, most of us would go for a sharp object, 
But it, what's crazy is how the body fails to respond to a good old fashioned bludgeoning. Yeah. Especially one where there's blood. Like, here's a fun fact to know, Sure. Did you know that when uh, military used to use rifles with bayonets on them, the bayonets were dull, not sharp? Mm -hmm. So they, they dulled the end of the bayonet because then when they stab somebody with it, if it were sharp, the body's like, oh, I've got fresh wound. I can know how to heal it. But with a bludgeoning, with a dull end, the body can't heal around it. And so what ends up happening is rather than with a sharp stab, the body kind of heals from the outside in. The body has to heal from the inside out with a bludgeoning, like a dull object, like a dull bayonet. And so that person's out of commission, out of the war. And so dull bayonets equaled less soldiers on the field. Right. Crazy. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, typically when these guys attack each other in prison, they're not trying to anybody. You know what, what I'm saying? What are like, they trying to do? Well, trying it... to, you know, they just want to scare someone or they want to show, hey, look, I, I this guy. Like, I, I'm serious. Like, I, mm. the truth is what you don't want to do is end up getting a murder charge. Yeah. And they don't really want the guy to die. They never end up him. Well, not never. I'm not saying sometimes you, they try, but you've got a life sentence. That guy's willing to get another life sentence. But, you know, they, they'll, they'll stop like a blade that's this long. Uh -huh. You know, you're not going to kill. There's very likely, unlikely you're going to, if you stop one, you know, in the torso, as long as it's off the upper torso with a blade that that's long, you're just not going to die. Yeah. You know, just them up a little bit. Yeah. And same thing with the lock. If you want to hit the guy with the lock, you want to bleed. You want to see a lot of blood, but you don't want to. Right. And, and the, again, that's, that's one, they're watching dominance. Two, they're taking somebody out of the picture for a little while, sending a message, maybe a very bloody message. But And I would assume in some of those cases, it's not always just one dude doing the work. So it's sort of noisy as to who's the actual culprit. Yeah, they'll grab everybody they can and throw them in the shoe and ship them all over. The, like, as soon as you attack somebody, you get into a, get into a fight or stuff, most people are getting shipped. Yeah. They're just, yeah. they're, they're going to put them in the hole for six months and then they're going to ship them somewhere else. So it's not like you're going to someone. And that guy's going to be taken off the compound and you'll still be left on the compound. No, no, you're both going somewhere. Yeah. But now you have a, you know, it, it follows you. And then oh, people like, oh, that guy, yeah, kind of that thing. guy's serious. Like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I was on the yard when he was in, you know, Beaumont. He this dude up and that dude's serious. And then people respect you and they, they leave you alone. Yeah. It's, just, it's so stupid. It sounds like um, in my neighborhood here, we have a space where the, homeowners association was intended to put a playground so it's this like circle of, of of grass this big giant circle of grass in the middle of the neighborhood and they never put one in because they realized that right across the streets a school with like three hundred thousand dollars worth of playground equipment so why reinvent the wheel so this circle of ground doesn't have a playground so the kids use it for whatever they want and 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 um, the kids in my neighborhood, they're they're crazy. Like the, it's 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 crazy how crazy things get over there. Sometimes you'll see kids just riding bikes around in circles around there. Um, I saw one kid just go and take a sit and spin and go in the middle of the circle and just sit and spin. Like it was it's unruly. Like when adults don't have control like the yard when they don't have control of the situation what humans will do with it yeah that's exactly what prison's like i figured again two peas in a pod it's kind of crazy we're just now meeting each other
So once again, that doesn't really, this does not feel like a Halloween story or a spooky story. More grotesque and scary, maybe. Yeah. Maybe scary. scary let, me, let, me re- let me redo the, the, the last part. They're okay. still out there. Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, wait, yeah. and then this, and then this. I, I, I'll say this. They're still out there. You have a sound effect machine. I got sound effects. You, it's not, a show. It's not spooky sound effects. Well, if I keep it going, there's like some oohs in there. Where it is. Have I probably ruined my opportunity to ever be on your show again? I mean, listen, the, the bar is so low to get on my show. It's there's no ruining anything. Um I'm trying to think. Oh, here I've got one. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. Here's a say oh here's a here's one I've got. I use this one on Kent all the time. Can't Kendall tell a stupid story or try to tell a joke, and I'll I'll use this one on him. Yay! Yay! It's like a girl who's offending you because she, she's not really saying yay to you. She's you know yeah. So maybe you and I could start a show called Sound Effects with Matthew and the Operator. That'd be fun. Spooky. Let's go with. Oh, you know what? It was sound effects. You got to put spooky. That's what you got to do. Oh my gosh, I have uh, I have a cold. Hold on, here. No, that's not really it. No. Ooh. Oh, none of these are good. Well, that was. I- all of those are outro worthy though, right? They're kind of like a stay tuned for the next not scary tale from Spooky with look. Wait, spooky noise? Spooky noise, that's Wait, it. spooky go wait, sm- spooky ghost. Oh, there not you go. Bad. Yeah, that's That's that. good. That was it. All those you could—they're kind of—they got that in, you know, inside true crime kind of outro. Like, join us next time for a. And we don't do any of that. You've never watched one of my videos. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you guys checking out the uh, the the spooky story. And if you like the video, do me a favor: hit the subscribe button, hit the bell so you get notified of videos just like this. Stay tuned for the next few. Um, spooky stories because it's Halloween and we're doing spooky stories. Leave me a comment in the comment section. Share the video. Uh, consider joining my Patreon and also check out Sam's podcast. I'm going to leave the link in the description. I really appreciate you guys watching. See ya.